This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone today. If you don't know me, my name is Nick, and I help lead our staff team here at the church. I'm actually the byproduct of those two beautiful people you just saw up here. Those are my parents, our lead pastors. Give it up for our lead pastor this morning. So appreciate my mom and dad. Man, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. I'm not here to tell you anything that you don't know. I guess my goal would be that we could all talk about a topic that I think really can help a lot of us today, kind of just in moving forward in life. When I was in junior high, the junior high school that I attended was kind of a smaller school. In fact, it was one of the schools that uh, ran kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade. So there's some like pros and cons, I guess. One of the good things, though, was that they offered this elective incentive program. And so the way it kind of worked is you could actually take a, a class once you got into junior high. And if you did well in that class, you could receive high school credit. So I jumped on it. It was like a chance to kind of get ahead of everybody. And so starting seventh grade, I took Spanish class. And I took Spanish for seventh and uh, eighth grade. And I actually did really, really well at it. And uh, it kind of soared. I think it got A's, you know, on pretty much all of my projects. I mean, even when I went to like a, a Mexican food restaurant, I could like read things the way it was intended to be read. You know, not some of you, you know, like, can I order the carne asada, you know, or I'll take the chili verde, you know, like, no, it's like chile verde, right? You got to the chile verde, carne asada, right? You got to, it's all in the, the roll of the tongue. I was so good. In fact, my Spanish teacher called me her protege that I was like going to go on and do like all these magnificent things in the Spanish community. And um, uh, as things kind of wrapped up seventh and eighth grade, everybody's getting ready to go into high school. And so a lot of the students that took Spanish one and two in junior high, they were going to actually repeat Spanish two in uh, their, their, their freshman year. Uh, they're just, just kind of be safe, kind of acclimate, but not me, not the protege. I was going into Spanish three, baby. Okay. And not just Spanish three, but Spanish three AP. And if you don't know what AP is, that stands for advanced placement. So at the end of the year, you take an advanced placement test. And if you do well in the test, you actually get college credit, right? So I was like pumped, excited. I'm going to do it again. It only took me a couple weeks to find out that I had made a horrible, horrible <laughs> mistake. High school was a little bit different ball game. I don't know if it was like acclimating to like a, a larger score, the fact that the Spanish was just over my head, but I did horrible. And it was like the first quarter I got like a progress report. It was like a D minus. And I like to tell you that it got better from there, but it didn't. I got my very first F on my report card and I worked really, really hard for that F. Like, I mean, I, I, I busted my butt to get that F. And it was just one of those situations. I don't know if you ever felt like this, uh, where it was like, there was nothing that I could do to fix the problem. It didn't seem what I didn't matter how much I studied, how much I listened, how much I tried to learn. I just couldn't get it. I mean, it was so bad. I remember uh, just dreading going to school. I remember being in, in one of the classes with my Spanish teacher there in high school. And it was just, it seemed so cruel to me. And what my Spanish teacher would do is she'd ask a question in Spanish like, Clase, ¿dónde está mi lápiz inteligente? And she'd take her pencil, right? She'd put it kind of in her ear and she'd want you to tell her the pencil was in her ear. And so she, she wouldn't ever take a volunteer. She'd always say, hmm, un victima. Like she's going to choose a victim. <laughs> and then she'd take her family. She had the longest fingernails you ever saw. And, and I'm not being mean, like legit, like Guinness Book of World Records, long fingernails. She'd run it along the roll sheet. And everybody knew whose name she was going to stop on. It was going to be me. And she'd stop and she'd say, Nicolas. You know, and I... I would lock up. I don't, if you've been in a situation where you just like lock up, like I can't even say my name out of my mouth. Like I don't even know what to say. It was just cruel. Like she'd let two minutes, not exaggerating, 120 seconds go by and I'm just sweating. I mean, everything is just sweating. I'm just sitting there and then she'd be like, Nicolas, dame algo, dame algo. Like give me something, give me something. And then, you know, so I'd sit there and then I'd be, no say. 
It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. <laughs> like, no sé, Nicolás. You know, and I'd just be like humiliated. It was so bad. I mean, I, I'm, I, it's, it's funny now, but I can remember dreading going to school. Like, I'd wake up in the morning with just that, that feeling in my stomach, like, man, I just don't want to go through another day. I remember, I don't know if my parents remember this, but we'd drive up to school, and I would just sit in the passenger seat not wanting to get out of the car. I mean, to the point where I'd, I'd turn. I can, I can remember tears rolling down the sides of my cheeks because, I just, man, I just didn't want to have to go through this. Again, if there was anything that I could have done to escape that moment, to escape going to school that day, I would have. Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to escape? Maybe escape something that happened in your past that it's hard for you to come to terms with, man, that actually happened. Maybe escape something that you're going through today. Maybe a situation that you're facing this morning. Maybe to escape the things that you have fears that that might happen in the future. I mean, don't we all kind of want to escape? Isn't this why, as human beings, we lie to get ourselves out of the situations that we're in, right? If I can tell a lie, I can maybe get myself out of the situation. Isn't this why people overdrink or use drugs? Because we don't want to be feeling what we're feeling right now. Because I'd, lo- I'd, just, I'd just rather be feeling anything else than what I'm feeling right now. In fact, I'd rather feel nothing at all. Isn't this why we, we talk about people, right? Isn't this why we gossip? I mean, isn't it ironic that in order to escape our own problems, we talk about other people's problems as if they were our problems? And not just that, but we have like 100% surefire solutions for every single one of their problems, even though we have no power of solving those problems because they're not our problems. But what does it do? It provides a sense of escape. If I can talk about something else, then I can avoid the situations that I'm going through. There's something really, really destructive about this, and, 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 and this is it, is Just because you avoid a problem or avoid a situation doesn't make the situation go away. In fact, what it produces is something far, far worse. The longer problems go unresolved in our lives, it produces something that we know is worry. You may know it as stress or anxiety. There's something today that you're facing, that your brain continues, your thoughts continue to circle back around to. There's a burden. There's literally an emotional burden that you feel. It's like a heaviness. And every time maybe you run into that person or have a conversation or see something on TV or read in a magazine, it provokes that one thought that brings that burden back onto your shoulders. And all of a sudden you kind of just feel gross. Like I don't want to go on in life. And here's the thing about worry. And you may have heard it said like this before, but worry, worry is not productive. Worry's like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you are going nowhere. And isn't that ironic? Because for all the work that we put into worrying, for all of that burden that we feel, for all of that emotional distress that we go through, I mean, doesn't it seem like there should be some progress? I want to define worry today. This is how we're going to define it uh, throughout our conversation this morning. Worry, what worry is, is it's emotional distress resulting from a problem that has gone unresolved. Emotional distress that you experience, and, and, and we, we all experience this. We all experience this. The thing about problems is problems are relative, and problems can be scaled, but worries cannot. What am I talking about? You may be a business owner here today, and maybe you hired somebody to do a job, and all of a sudden you got a random audit. Somebody comes in and audits you. You find out the person that you hired, they haven't been doing the job you thought they were doing, and now this, all of a sudden you're in a lawsuit. What do you have? You have a problem. You may be somebody today, and you got up this morning, you went to your closet, and you looked in your closet, and you said, man, what am I going to wear? I, I have nothing to wear, and yet your closet is full of clothes. What do you have? To you, that's a problem. Now, we can scale those problems, right? Those problems are relative. If I were to ask you which problem is the bigger problem, the person in the lawsuit or the person who can't figure out what to wear, we would all say what? The person in the lawsuit. You see, while that problem can be scaled, that emotional burden that they feel is, 
It can't be scaled because worry is no respecter of persons. Worry does not discriminate. The same burden that you feel in your situation is the same burden that I feel in the midst of my situation. That heaviness that you feel when you're dealing with major problems is the same heaviness that you feel when you're dealing with minor problems. It doesn't matter the situation because worry is something that weighs on us all. What's crazy about it is uh, the average adult, the average adult spends about one hour and 50 minutes a day worrying. Isn't that crazy? I know we all like to think we're above average, but this, these are the, the facts, folks. About, for an average adult, about one hour and 50 minutes a day is spent worrying. If we break that into a week then, what we, what we have is we have 12 hours and 53 minutes of our week is devoted to worry. If we take all those moments of heaviness when our brain circles around to that one idea and we combine it together, that's 12 hours and 53 minutes a week. In a whole year, that's about a whole month out of the year that you spend Worrying, that you spend burden, that you spend in that place of, of, of heaviness. And, you know, what's crazy is, is technology doesn't make this any better. In fact, we're dealing with problems in our society as a result of technology that we never dealt with before. I mean, now there's, there's problems. Have you ever been, you know, getting ready to go to bed at night and you get that one text message from that one so caring person that gives you that, I just thought I should let you know, and then they drop a bomb on you like, you know, me and so-and-so are separating, or tomorrow the printer's broken at work so you can't print out your, all your papers for your presentation, and all of a sudden this problem has, has kind of messed up your night and then you can't sleep through the entire night. Or have you ever taken out your phone to do that, that last minute sweep through social media, you know, and then you happen to see that one picture of that birthday dinner that you weren't invited to. And it wouldn't be so bad if you weren't invited to, but the fact that they hashtagged it BFFs and you thought that you were BFFs, I mean, that's a serious problem. Or you ever have people that, that you choose to not so, follow on social media because they just kind of irritate you. And you know, if you just see what they post, it's going to be an automatic problem. But you have that one friend that always screenshots their post and still sends it to you. So you get frustrated anyway. We can't escape problems. It makes, technology makes these problems. So you guys laugh because you know it's true. You've been there, right? And, and, and so and, and not only does it bring problems to our doorsteps, but it gives us this, this, this way of escape any moment that we want it. If we're burdened in our life, we can just get lost in somebody else's life. Did you see what so-and-so is doing? Did you see that post? How cool is that post? We can escape. The, the, the thing, though, is, is, is when we have these problems in our life that go unresolved, we have these burdens and these worries. And, and, and my thing that I want to bring up to all of us is that it's destructive. It's destructive in our lives. We weren't made for worry. Uh, in fact, medical science has continued to prove this to be true. And here's a, a, an excerpt here. A worried ma- mind means a chronically stressed brain. And chronic stress generates serious health issues. This is what science says, okay? The stress hormones generated from worry dump into your system. And this is what it does. Shrinking your brain mass, lowering your IQ, making you, making you prone to heart disease, cancer, and premature aging. Chronic stress also predicts marital problems, family dysfunction, and depression, and uh, for seniors, it makes them more likely to develop dementia and Alzheimer's. This is a serious, serious issue. And I like, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of these things, I think, in all of our lives that we kind of just try to come to terms with. That I'm always going to meet. How many times? I'm, how was your week? Oh, I was just really stressful. I'm just stressed out. Or I'm just really worried about something. Really concerned about you. Really concerned about this situation. Really concerned about that. And I think we, we have this mentality that this is just the way that life is. We're going to have worries because we have problems and we, we can't resolve every problem. And I want to bring to the table today that it doesn't have to be this way. In your life, you don't have to live your life burdened by issues that you face. And, uh, and so, uh, in fact, God has a lot to say about this. And as we kind of journey through Scripture, there's several things God says about worry. I just want to look at one of them in the book of Matthew. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. In other words, don't worry about your needs or about your body, 
what you will wear or your wants. Is not life more than food, your needs and the body more than clothes, your wants? He then says this, and I think it's so extraordinary. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap, no store away in barns. In other words, they don't plant their food and grow it and harvest it. They're not as smart as you, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worrying is unproductive. And why do you worry about your clothes or your, your, your wants? See how the flowers of the field grow, the flowers of the field, wildflowers in the grass. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So do not worry. You see, here's the problem with worry. What worry is, is worry is like a form of practical atheism. It's acting as if God cannot be trusted or as if he does not exist. You see, when I worry about mistakes of the past, what I'm doing is I'm introspectively saying that, God, I'm not sure if you really forgive. God, I know that I go to church and they tell me what's done is done, but but I'll go ahead and carry this burden of this mistake that I made in my past because I deserve it. You see, when we carry the burdens of our sin or our mistakes, failures that we've had in the past, we're acting as if God, what he did through the work of the cross, like it wasn't good enough for me. When we worry about the mistakes of our past, <laughs> listen, the past is the past. We've got to let it go. When we worry about the mistakes of our past, I'm acting as if God cannot be trusted or as if God does not exist. When I worry about the circumstances of the present, what I'm saying is I'm saying I'm not sure if God is big enough to handle what I'm facing. God, I know you're big, but I don't know if you're big enough for this one. I don't know that anybody's gone through what I'm going through. Here's my question today. If God solved your biggest problem, what was your biggest problem? The fact that you cannot connect with God on your own because you're messed up. You have failures. You have imperfections. If God solved your biggest problem by sending his only son to die a horrible death, to be murdered and come back from the dead, if God solved your biggest problem, don't you think God would solve your little ones? When I worry about the situations, the circumstances that I face, what I'm saying to God is, God, you can't be trusted. God, you don't exist. When I worry... When I worry about the needs of the future, I'm telling God that I'm not sure he'll take care of me. When I worry about what's to come, it's the end of the world, what's going to happen? What if I get this disease? What if I get that disease? When I allow those burdens to consume my life, I tell God, God, you cannot be trusted. God, do you even exist? Worry. It's a form of practical atheism. And when we think about it, scientifically, these statistics have continued to come out. And I want to talk about this one. This is a very conservative statistic. It's actually quite higher um, today. But we're going to go with this just to be conservative. 92% of our worries consist of things that either won't happen or things we cannot change. 92% of all the things that you're burdened with, that heavy feeling, right, that thought that keeps coming back around, that what if, what if, 92% of the things that we're worried about are things that will not happen or things we cannot change. In other words, 92% of our worries are unjustifiable. So then only 8%, so then only 8% of our worries are legitimate. And they say not only are they legitimate, but they have practical solutions. So 8% of the things that we worry about, they may be legitimate, but they can be solved. And so this is what I want to talk about this morning. If God has never intended us to worry, and in fact, he doesn't just suggest that we not, he commands us not to. He says, do not worry. Then, then, then how do we kind of get ourselves into that position? Well, if worry is the result of problems that have gone 
undealt with. Let's look at those problems. Here's the thing about your problems. You may not be able to solve every problem, but you can resolve every problem. And so I want to look at today two different things that we can do to resolve our problems to reduce the worries that we have in our life. And here's uh, the first one. To live a worry-free life, solve the problems that you can solve. Solve the problems that you can solve. That's the 8%. 8%, uh, they're legitimate, but they have real solutions. Solve the problems that you can solve. Um, Before God does his part, he always wants you to do your part. Uh, God doesn't need to do what you can do. And so in our lives, looking at the burdens that we have, sometimes it's easier, right? We, we, we like to avoid the things that we have. Uh, we live in a society where everyone procrastinates, right? Uh, but, but we have a part to play. Look at the problems that you have. How can you solve? For, for me, for, for example, uh, when I went into college, I got my very first credit card. And uh, I was going to build my credit, you know. Well, you know how, how that goes. And so I um, ended up getting into a situation where I was in between jobs. I think I was working at uh, the Gap clothing store. And they were uh, kind of scaling my hours back. So I didn't have a lot of money coming in. And yet I'm a college student. I got to live it up. You know what I mean? I got to get around. I got to pay my, pay my bills and pay my, my gas and all that kind of stuff. So I started using, started using the credit card for gas. And so I ended up maxing out the credit card and I didn't have the money to pay it. And so interest starting uh, to, you know, to come about on the card. And my $600 limit credit card turned into a $6,000 debt. I began avoiding, you ever been in a situation like that, and then the creditors start calling, you know, and your stomach just drops every time the phone rings, or you go to the mailbox. For me, it was the phone, and whenever it would ring, man, my stomach would drop, and it could be my parents calling, and I would just be in turmoil thinking it was a creditor, and I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I ignored it. Finally, I had to come to the place and realize this isn't going to get better by me ignoring it. This is a problem that I can solve. So I picked up the phone, and I had to call, the, call, call them and say, hey, can I set up a payment plan? And what I found out is this. I began to set up the payment plan. Uh, all of a sudden, they ended up forgiving the rest of the debt. See, God wants you to do something yourself. There's problems that you can solve. You need to make a move. I'm not saying that God came down and canceled my debt, but I'm saying it was a good thing. And anything good that happens in my life, I give credit to God, and you should too, right? Right. So what are you facing? Maybe, you, maybe you're dealing with s- some money issues. I'm going to just touch these real quick because they, be, they can make us a little bit uncomfortable, but I think it's, it's worth talking about. Maybe you have money issues. My question is to you, do you have a budget? Are you living within your means? Is the, the, the financial issues that you're going, going through right now, can they be solved? Maybe you have health issues. Some of you here today, man, you're, you're, you're afraid that you will never live long enough to see your children graduate. Uh, because of some of your health issues. Are you doing what you know to do? Are you exercising to the best of your ability? Are you, are you eating the best that you can? Maybe you have work problems. Maybe you're somebody here, I just can't get a job. Just can't get, nobody wants to hire me. Have you continued to develop your skill set? You know, have you, have you continued to grow in the things that you can do? We have no excuse in this day and age. We have YouTube, we have internet. We can educate ourselves. What do you bring to the table? Don't allow excuses to keep you from what God has for you. Um, another one, relationship. Are you dealing with a relationship problem? Maybe this whole last series that we went through, you're like, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have anybody to love or anybody to hate. It's just me, forever alone, right? And, and maybe for, for you, you just don't have anybody in your life. My question to you, I, I, don't, I can't make friends. Well, are you showing yourself friendly? I know someone like this. It's like every time they come, no one's nice to me. I don't like coming around. No one's nice to me. Nobody welcomes me. It's like, dude, have you ever tried to hang out with yourself? Like you're hard to have a conversation with. Like you're not friendly. Solve the problems that you can solve. Okay? But that's only 8%. The biggie is really really the the, the 92%. And this is what what I want to talk about today. So solve the problems that you can solve. And then number two, surrender the problems that you can't solve. Solve the problems that you can solve. Number two, surrender the problems that you can't solve. This is what this whole conversation today has been about. I wanted to bring us to this point for us to come to the realization that there are problems in life that can be solved, 
And then there are problems in life that must be surrendered. There's certain things that are out of your control. You know that 92%, even though they will never happen, or it's things that are outside of your control, it's, it's just like, you know, well, the problems are relative, the worry is not. It doesn't change the fact that those worries are real to you. It doesn't change the fact that those burdens that you came in with today, those burdens are real to you. So how do I do it? How do I surrender the problems that I cannot solve? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Throw all your worry on him, God, because he cares for you. Throw all your worry on him, God, because he cares for you. I love the word choice that, that is used here, throw. Because in life, I mean, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, I mean, isn't it what we do best to say, okay, God, I'll let you have it. But when he tries to take it, we try to hold on to it, right? We'll, we'll surrender it in a church service, but then we have the tendency to pick it up when we walk out the door. I love this word because it tells me to throw my burdens, to throw my worry, to throw my cares on God. And in order to throw, I have to let go. In your life, the things that you're facing... The burdens, the things that maybe I, I can't solve it. I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for actions. I don't know the step to take. God, I surrender it to you. In order to give it to God, you have to get your hands off of it. If it's in your hands, it's not in God's. Let it go. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that our biggest limitations in life are not our problems. I think our biggest limitation in life is the fact that we hold on to our problems. I got this. I can do it. If I can just power through, I got to man up. I got to be tough. Guys, guys in this place, we've been, we've been so indoctrinated with this, right, in our culture that you got to be a man. You got to man up. You got to deal with your problems. You got to handle it. I'm here to tell you there's problems that you cannot handle. There's problems that you cannot solve, and it's killing you. It's weighing you down. Get your hands off it. Let God have it. Let God do what only God can do. In the book of Philippians, I like the way it puts it. It says, don't fret or worry. It's a command. Don't fret or worry. This is what God is telling you today. That burden that you walked in with, it's a fret. It's a worry. That heaviness that even as I talked about this, this message today, it keeps circling back around that past, that present, that future. God says, don't, 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 don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying what? Pray. Instead of worrying, pray or, or talk to God. Let petitions, the things you ask of God, and the praises, declaring who God is to you. Let those things shape your worries. <laughs> Let those things shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come, and what will it do? It'll settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces or takes the place of worry at the center of your life. So what does that look like? What does that look like in your life? Here's your problem, right? Here's your issue. Here's your burden you walked in with today. Maybe it's, maybe it's your marriage, right? Maybe you've done everything you know to do in your marriage, man. We've, we've gone through counseling. We've tried to have discussions. It just seems like we're just two different people. It's not the way that it used to be. God, I don't know what to do. I'm burdened. I'm worried. What do I do? He says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and pray. So this is what I do. Okay, God, I bring before you my worry and my burden. I bring my petition. So I say, God, here it is. God, we've done everything that we know to do. We've done counseling. God, we've tried to have conversation, and we don't know what to do. So, God, I take this problem, and I give it to you, and I ask that you would restore my marriage. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm hurting, and I ask that you would do what only you could do, and I ask that you would bring us back together, do what you can only do, and then we give, give him our praise. We tell him who you got, so I declare that you're faithful. 
I declare what God has joined together, no man will separate. God, you are faithful. I declare it and I give it to you. And what do I do? I let it go. In your life. Maybe today, maybe today your struggle, maybe your problem, maybe your burden today is with your children. Maybe you've been a great parent. You're God, I, I've done everything I know to do as a parent. I've taught them your principles. I've taught them your word of God. Now, what is the situation that I'm dealing with? I go into the rooms and I find drugs and I find razor blades and they're cutting and God, I can't convince them. I can't make them feel bad enough to stop. God, I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss for words. So God, I come before you and I bring this burden, God, that I'm carrying. I've done everything that I know to do with my children. But God, I, I know in your word that you said, train a child up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. So God, I just call you faithful. I refuse to be moved by what I feel. I call you faithful and I take this burden and God, I don't hold on to it. I give it, I give it to you. What problem are you facing today? What is burdening you today? You were not made. You were not made to carry burden. You were not made to carry stress. It's not your burden to bear. What do you need to surrender to God today? For me, it's, it's always stupid stuff. It's always silly stuff. For, for me, in my life, it's when in my life this last week, you know, we have a plan of how our week should go. And it seemed like everything this last week for me just wasn't going as planned. What, what is, what did, where did this come from? Where did that come from? You ever had a week like that? And I felt like God was just impressing on my heart, chill out. Why are you carrying that burden? Why is life so bad? Take it. Give it to me. You weren't made to carry that burden. You weren't made to carry that fear. You weren't made to carry that worry. What does that look like for you? I like the way the Dalai Lama put it. He said this. He said, if there's a solution to a problem, then there's no need to worry. And if there's no solution, there is no need to worry. As believers, followers of God, hear this today. God's got you. God's got you. We shouldn't live our lives as if God cannot be trusted or as if God does not exist. God's got you. He has your best interest in mind. He's going to take care of you. If he takes care of the birds, if he feeds the birds, if he clothes the grass with wildflowers, isn't he going to take care of you? Isn't he going to take care of you? Today, I don't know what you need to let go. I know this. I know the human tendency is this. We have the tendency to try to solve problems that we should surrender. We try to surrender problems that we should be solving. Can we just take a second to, together today as, as a church family? Can we just close our eyes just right where you're at? And uh, today, maybe when you leave this week, why don't you just write down, just, just a practical thing you can do, write down your top 10 worries. And then on the side of that, why don't you write if it's a, it's a worry you need to solve or if it's a worry you need to surrender? Maybe in this, in this place right now, maybe you know. You're like, no, I, I know what it is. I've been holding on to it. I've been holding on to it. It's that one thing in your past that you can't seem to get past. God wants it. He wants the heaviness that it brings to you. The thing that you feel, you, you, you hear the preacher talk every weekend, but you still feel disqualified. You still feel unworthy. If you only knew, God is not intimidated by your mess. God is not intimidated by your situation. God is not intimidated by your burdens. In fact, he wants them. He wants them. In this moment right now, God, I ask that you would just invade, God, that you would invade our hearts. God, I ask that you would invade, God, I ask that you would invade our lives, that we would truly be believers in the power of the cross, that we wouldn't profess you with our lips 
and deny you with the way that we live our lives. We believe that we are unrighteous without Jesus. And we believe when Jesus died upon a cross and he came back from the dead, that he took upon his back the punishment for our wrongs. So God, we don't deny you the opportunity of giving us freedom. We declare in this place that you are trustworthy. Place our trust in you today, just right now in this moment. I don't know what God wants to do in your life in this moment, but I know that things can change in a moment. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.